Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to go over some ways you can actually start investing the profits from your business in real estate. I'll give you some practical solutions and tips here. And I think that as a pool service provider, you're actually in in an ideal position to become a real estate investor. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open seven days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's Referral Program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. And what I mean by that is that as you're driving around and as you're doing your service accounts, you're visiting 80 or 90 homes a week. You're passing by a lot of houses. So you kind of know what a good house looks like, what a good property feels like, and you're kind of like a wholesaler in a way because you're already seeing a lot of properties and you're already getting an idea of the neighborhoods you're in. And this makes you an ideal candidate to purchase a home in the neighborhoods that you service or where you live because you drive by these streets all the time and you're going to know the area really, really well. And I think that's one of the keys of investing is that if you know your area well enough, you're going to know which area, which streets are the ones that are the best, which homes are the best, where you want to put your money. And this is like half the battle out there. When you're just starting out and you're just trying to find a realtor to help you find a home, if you don't know the area, you're going to really be in for it sometimes if you purchase in the wrong area. So as a pool service provider, while you're driving around, you're looking at all the homes, you know the streets, so you kind of know the neighborhoods really well. And that gives you a huge advantage over someone else who's just starting out with really no insight of the area that they're in. And you really want to invest in your area, of course. I wouldn't suggest investing anywhere that you can't drive through within 45 minutes or so. So stay in your area that you know best. And this is a huge advantage over other investors that may not know that this particular neighborhood here tucked away is probably one of the quietest streets, one of the best neighborhoods. And hey, there's a house for sale in that corner. How much is it going for? So that's kind of the advantage that I mentioned. When you're driving around, you're kind of almost like you work for a realtor in some cases. And in that in that respect, you're going to have that advantage. There are a lot of great resources out there also. Many YouTube channels that are focused on real estate. I think the best one is called biggerpockets.com. They have a lot of YouTube videos and podcasts on real estate. There's a book by their founder. It's called Multifamily Millionaire. Easy name to remember. Just go to Amazon. It's called Multifamily Millionaire. And I suggest picking up that book because it talks about different methods of building up your portfolio. I mentioned in the last episode about buying a house and then not never selling it because there's really no need to sell your house if you can't avoid selling it and just rent it out. And it's an easy way to get a rental with, again, if you bought it for 3% down, you have an asset for half a million dollars by putting just a small minuscule amount of money down. And you can convert that to a rental really easily at that point when you buy your next property. And the book goes over a lot of this. So again, it's called Multifamily Millionaire. And the site is called BiggerPockets.com if you want to get started in investing the right way. I think they're really solid. They have a lot of solid investing ideas. 
And they also believe my philosophy. They're Dave Ramsey fans, and they also believe that you should have a strong equity position when you invest, and you don't want to do this when you're broke, basically trying to build up a portfolio with no money. And that's the aspect that I think I should touch on here is that there are some things you need to have in line before you even think about investing, and that is your business needs to be making money. You have to have a profit. And before you even apply to get a property, you need to show two years of tax returns, the last two years of tax returns, where you're showing a substantial profit in your business and a substantial income. If you don't have that, you really can't invest because there's no other way around it. You can get hard money loans, which, you know, 9 or 10 or 12%, that'll bankrupt you pretty quickly. So one of the things that you want to do is to start is to have your taxes where you're showing that you're actually making income. And I know you can fudge a lot out here as someone who's self-employed. I would highly recommend reporting your income as is if you really want to start investing. That means reporting all your income, not taking off you know 20% of your accounts and saying you're not making any money on them because that really hurts you when you go to invest because the biggest thing that they look at when you're self-employed is your tax return. Basically, you're unemployed to them because you can be out of business the next week. So you want to have really solid tax returns that show a good history of income so that they'll loan you the money. Just put yourself in the bank's position. You walk into the bank wanting to get a loan and you've had your business for four years, but you're showing no income in your tax returns. How are they going to lend you money? They may know offhand that you're making money because we know how business works. But unless there's something on paper to show the underwriter for the bank who's going to write the loan, you can't get it. Versus someone who walks in there that has a job working for, say, IBM, and they show they make 120000 a year, that's very tangible to the underwriter. So make sure that your tax returns look really good before you start doing this process. I mentioned having a strong equity position, and this also entails having cash for the down payment. You can get this cash in many different aspects. Let's say you have a home that you paid down and you have equity of 400000 in there. You can definitely get an equity line of credit at your bank and use that money as your down payment. One of the things that you may not be aware of is that the bank will qualify you based on the payment, not on the amount you borrowed. So let's say you wanted to use your home equity as a down payment. And again, you have to have a really good equity position to do this. Let's say you find a duplex and it's half a million dollars, 500000 The bank's going to probably want you to put 30% down. That's what I had to do last time I got a property. They've kind of upped the ante here in California. Things are a little shaky. So 30% down would be 150000 Now you can get that from your equity line of credit from your home really easily because the bank's only going to qualify you based on that payment. So it's the payment on that money, not the actual amount that you are in debt for. And so that's something that's really handy. If you had 80000 and took 70000 out of your equity line, that's another way to do it also. The more cash you have, of course, the better, because then you're really going to create cash flow, and it's going to give you a good equity position. For example, if you put 150000 into that home, and the balance of that, of course, is three fifty. If you bought it for half a million and it goes down to like four eighty, let let's say the market goes down a little bit, you really haven't lost anything because you still have that equity position of having 150000 cash in there. And the book Bigger Pockets goes over cash out, refis, and things like that to kind of build up your portfolio quicker. It's kind of harder in this market with the higher rates, but it's still very doable. And I think one of the things you need to really realize is to make money, you have to have money. And you can't make money if you don't have money. 
Otherwise, everyone would be doing it. And as a pool service company owner, you have the ability to increase your income by getting an employee, expanding, doing more work, whatever you want to do to do that, which gives you a really good way to save up that money because the pool service business is extremely scalable in the upwards direction. And I really recommend that you scale up as much as possible if you wanted to start investing. And so the other part of the question was, well, how do you pick the area to invest in? Again, you want to pick an area that you're familiar with. So if you're driving around your service area, you're going to know the neighborhoods. And this is exactly where you want to invest. Of course, it's got to be an area where you want to live. I mentioned that in the last one. But you definitely will have an advantage because you're going to know the area like the back of your hand. You're driving down the side streets. You just know that area and you're going to start looking in that area. Now, do you need an agent? I don't think necessarily you will need one. You're a business owner. You're smart. You kind of know certain things. You may not know anything about real estate, so to speak, but you know a lot about business. And so you can just work directly with the selling agent. It's called a dual agency. So they're going to work for both you as the buyer and for the seller where they have the listing The advantage of doing that, of course, is that they get the full commission. So they're going to really be pushing your offer in front of other offers in most cases. Disadvantage of that is, of course, they work for the seller. So you may not be able, I mean, it's really a difficult position for the agent, but they like it because they get the full commission. And I find that that may sometimes be the key or just enough to get the deal done when they see more money coming into their pocket versus working with a buyer's agent and they have to split the commission They keep 3%, they give the buying agent 2%, so they don't make nearly as much money as being the agent for you and the seller. I'll give you a good example of this. The last deal that we did back in January of this year, the listing was for 380, and I just offered 380 all cash, figuring, you know, if I get this duplex, I'll get it. If not, it's not a big deal. And then they had an offer. I went directly with the selling agent, by the way. So I told him, I'll just offer 3D all cash, you know, and see where it goes. And then he came back to me. He said, you know what? We have an offer for 400000 but it's not all cash. And it looks like the financing, you know, they're going to finance it. And can you go up a little bit? Because, you know, the seller is looking at an offer for 400000 It wasn't a offer from him. It was a buying agent offer. And basically he said, can you go up a little bit? I said, well, I'll go to 383 all cash. And that's about it. He was kind of not 100% happy figuring that it may not work. But since he's, you know, I hate to say this, he's getting the full commission because he's going to represent me and the seller. My offer was pushed through and it was stronger, of course, because the duplex was going to be vacant and it's really hard to finance a vacant property. And I should also touch on this, that when you're buying something, the bank will allow, will do what's called a rent survey for the area. And they'll actually give you what they'll actually calculate or factor in I should say factor in the rent that you would get from the property and they'll factor in, of course, the actual rent, which is a lot easier to qualify for. So if you're buying a property that already has a tenant in there, then the bank will use that rent to help qualify you for that loan. So a vacant property is much harder to qualify for because there's no rent and they can just use maybe like the, um, when they do the rent survey, they'll get an idea, but they can't use that rent to qualify you because there's no one in there at that time if that makes sense so sometimes as as an investor buying a vacant property or one that needs a lot of work and if you can pay all cash for it you're going to get a really good deal and then you can refinance that money out of there again if you needed to so paying all cash has advantages and to get the old cash you can do this in several ways you can again 
have cash saved up. So in this case here, if you saved up 100,000 or 150,000, and then you took 200,000 out of your equity line, you can pretty much buy the property all cash and, and you know, took the money out of your primary residence through the equity line of credit. You can pretty much buy a property all cash out there without actually having all cash in some respect. So there's lots of ways to finance deals and there's lots of ways to go out, go about doing it. And I think working directly with the selling agent is probably the best way to do it. If you feel comfortable doing that, if you feel business savvy enough to know, you know, that he has your interest in mind, that he's not trying to work too much on the seller side, which they kind of do in a lot of dual agencies anyway, because they're, they got the listing and that's one of the things that is just natural. So I think as a business owner, you'll have enough sense to know when the agent's being fair with you. And it makes the deal a lot easier when you work directly with the selling agent, in my experience. And I think one of the biggest hurdles, and Nike had the slogan many years ago when I was growing up, just do it. I don't know if they still have that slogan, but it's just doing it. I mean, there's a lot of fear involved. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of, you know, do I really want to do this? In the worst case scenario, if you buy a property as a rental, you don't like it, you can actually sell it. In some cases, you can make a little bit of money on it. You may lose a little bit of money. So the worst case scenario, you don't like it, you sell it, then you just do something else with your money. But in reality, there's not a lot of places where you can park your money and actually have it pretty secure. And I think real estate, you know, if you look at how people got rich back in the past, there was only two ways really. And one of those was compound interest, which you can't really get anymore. You can't really put money in the bank. I remember I had a CD back in, I think it was 19... 98, 99, it was getting like 8% interest, which was pretty phenomenal. But the compound interest, unless you're a money lender, doesn't exist. The banks make a lot of money that way. And then, of course, real estate is the other way to make money. And these are the two ways that have been proven over the ages to make money. So putting your money in real estate is smart. Just do it, I think, in a lot of cases is a slogan that a lot of people don't. They hesitate. They overthink it. They're wondering, well, can I handle it as a landlord? Again, as a pool service professional, you have the advantage of being able to deal with customers. You would just take that ability and then you would translate it into how you deal with your clients. Now, this last property that I purchased, I mentioned, the seller was actually selling it and he was living in one unit and the other unit was vacant and I had to rent back to him. And funny thing is, he was probably the last person on earth that I would ever choose as a tenant. He would never qualify as a tenant of mine. But he was there already, and, and part of the deal was to rent back. He was going to stay two weeks for free, or 10 days for free, and then he was going to stay another two weeks where he would pay me partial rent for that month. And it was really tough because he's the kind of person that is the opposite of me 100%. His language was, I couldn't even have my son around because he was had no filter, and he just was not a winning personality. So I had to use all my skills that I developed out there in the industry dealing with tough clients and I kind of had to really work with him because I was remodeling one unit while he was there. It was loud. It was, you know, they had, I had to let the people onto the property. So I understand his position at the same time, you're equipped with a set of skills that can handle tenants really easily. And you should have really good people radar or people picking radar because as a pool service professional, you've run into people that you get a bad feeling about. And then truth be told, they're not the best client. And you knew that when you first met them. And the same thing when you're screening tenants, you kind of have that built-in radar. You're going to know who's good and who's not in most cases. 
And if you run into a bad tenant, there's all kinds of remedies for that. I have one right now that just can't pay the rent on time for whatever reason. And their credit was really good and they have really good rental history. So I'm not sure exactly what's happening, but I'm treating them really well and I'm treating them nicely. And I'm trying to, you know, kind of get things to where they can pay on the first without getting too upset about it. And so that's the thing that you may run into, but they eventually pay the rent, which is kind of irritating that they're late and all the rest are on time. But that happens and you're going to get someone like that. And that's kind of like the worst tenant you can get is someone who pays late. In my opinion, you want to screen them so you don't get anyone destructive or doing anything illegal in your property. That's kind of a given. So for me, a bad tenant is someone who doesn't pay consistently on time. And that's what I consider a bad tenant. You know, someone who causes problems with the neighbors, you want to screen all of that before they move in there and you kind of get an idea from experience, I've been doing this for since 2001 as a landlord, so I kind of know. And so this was kind of an anomaly where this person's not really paying on time. I'm not sure, again, what's happening, but I don't really get too personal with them anyway. I just give them little reminders, and I also remind them that if they don't pay the rent on the first, I'm going to have to issue a three-day notice to quit, things of that nature, in a kind way. But you also have to be tough. The big, The book the book I mentioned by Brandon Turner, the multifamily millionaire, he actually unpacks some of his experiences as a landlord and some of the things that you should be doing. So it's not tough to be a landlord. And if worst comes to worst, you want to get a property manager to do it, you can definitely pick someone to run your properties. I just prefer being more hands-on. That's kind of how I am. And of course, having everything lined up so that you can become an investor is important. Having your tax returns. And don't think you can fudge them either. Because the bank's going to look for your IRS transcripts, which is something that is at the IRS. They can easily access that. They might even ask you to send them the IRS transcript, which is actually your tax return that you filed. And you can't make a fake one and submit it to the bank because they're going to have the real one on file to IRS. And that would just be really disastrous for you if you try to fake a tax return. So those days are over. Also, you can't do that anymore. So have your tax returns in order. Have money for a down payment. And just get started on it. I mean, I just think that there's nowhere else you want to put your money at this point that can grow, give you cash flow, give you a tax write-off, like I mentioned in the first episode. And by the way, if you want to listen to that one, I recommend it because I go over the benefits of investing in real estate. This one here, I'm kind of focusing on how to get started and what to do. But yes, you definitely can do it. I've done it. I own several properties and I have, you know, I'm making good money on the rents. And eventually, they're going to be my retirement, me and my wife's retirement. So it's something that you can establish whether you're 20, 30, or 40. If you're older, you have to accelerate it a little bit, get more properties quicker. If you're in your 20s, you can really take your time and get one every four or five years, every two or three years. And you can really build up a good real estate portfolio. And I think as an investor in real estate, it just makes you a better business person because you have this kind of side thing that you're doing. And it makes you more aware of, you know, running a business and more aware of the economy, more aware of the neighborhood you work in. It just makes you a better person overall because then you're dealing with tenants, you're dealing with repair people. And it's just one of those things where it grows you as a person and you get better at everything. I think every aspect of you gets better by running rental properties, dealing with people, dealing with vendors. And these are all aspects that I really enjoy by owning real estate. And I think you will also enjoy this aspect. So just get in there and do it. With that said, if you're looking for part one, just go to my website, swimmingpoollearning.com. On the banner, click on the podcast icon. 
And that will be the first podcast that's on that list of the episodes that I recorded. And I have over 900 episodes on pool care and other aspects of business for you there. And if you want to join my coaching program and get better at your business, you can definitely join that at poolguycoaching.com. That's where you can find more information. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week. And God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Yeah! Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at getskimmer backslash pool guy. Again, that's getskimmer backslash pool guy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.